0: The Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means, and the other two are just along for the ride. Tyler, say hi. Howdy. And we are joined by Cade dub friend of the pod. What up, dude?
1: What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. It's always fun to sit around and chat with y'all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> after the last 10-15 minutes that we just had, just preparing for this, this conversation, this podcast, I think we're all ready to dive into this um business first though james isn't with us and we need to call him out for not being with us and we need to see if he's listening so k dub can you give james a secret message for not being a professional podcaster and being here with us tonight so just to see if he listens so we can call him out next week when he doesn't
1: the code word is banana Banana. all right so you need to spread the word if you're actually going to attend and and do your do your due diligence we will open up that with next week and see if James actually listened or not. We all know he did it, but it'll be <laughs>
0: fine. <laughs> we can already say it, but let's see if you can come back with Savannah there. I actually saw a Savannah banana jersey in the wild yesterday. It was incredible. I was Father's Day stuff. We went to Lansing, Michigan for a Lugnets game where they got actually trounced by the tip <laughs> caps, but there was a Savannah banana jersey being worn by, by somebody. I was just like, holy shit. they're out here it's fun it's cool and it was it was a nice bright, fun jersey um all right let's get into it quick rundown of the affiliates 10 15 minutes but the meat and potatoes of this is going to be on the college draft prospects that we're seeing in the cws we have the we have the little tournament the giveaway going on with the bsb cws picks um so hopefully you got that in there but also some names that you can find watch while the final 10 or so games are going on Getting this to, to you a little late, but I think you'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, Valade de Montero on the prospect team of the week. I have not seen anything about players of the week from the MILB yet, which is weird. They're usually out and about right now. But prospect team of the week, our boys Valade and Montero and made it. Is this our fault, Tyler, for calling out Valade last week?
2: It, it might be, and I, I feel like – we have an effect. Like we are the motivators. They, these guys are listening closely and they hear us, um, you know, talking down on what they're doing and they have to change it. No, but um, <laughs> I, I do hope that, you know, whatever happened, that it sticks with Villade. We're not worried about, you know, Montero, of course he did, you know, yeah. some fantastic stuff this week, but Villade, this was much different than what we've seen over the last year and a half or however long it's been since the start of last season. So if we could get more of this little power, that'll go a really long way. So,
1: whew.
0: Yeah, right. And the three of you that listened last week and heard me say that I was going to watch every single one of the Lays at-bats last week, I did that. I went back, I did it. Yeah. Um, which was nice because there was three seven inning games, two because of a doubleheader and one because of a rainout. but it was enough. And he sat on Tuesday. He took a day off. But what I saw was he – I listened. I heard. I was listening to Josh who is who was fantastic. He was saying that the Rockies um, prospect hitting guru was down there working with him. I can't remember his name, but they changed his stance a little bit. He is a little bit more upright now. And he's, he's driving the ball, getting under it a little bit more, driving it to the gaps and over the fence a few times. Um, he's very pole heavy, I notice. A lot of balls on the left side in the between the shortstop third base gap. And he had like two or three hits that were stolen from him where he actually crushed it like literally right down the line of third base. That could have easily been hits. Um, but nice plays by third base. Um, only one opposite field hit. And if I remember correctly, a lot of his at-bats, a lot of his contact were early in the counts, first or second pitch. So after our conversation with Braden Ward, spoiler alert, he, Braden mentioned like some of the philosophy in the Rockies hitting is get, see a good pitch, hit good pitch, whether it's the first one or the last one. Um, and that kind of rung true with the uh this week, I noticed. So, just something to watch for. He was very patient when he needed to be, um, kind of knew what the zone was. Some of the strikeouts were close, but I was very impressed with his at-bats, if that means anything, my super immature analysis, but it was, it was fun to see and actually fun to dive into that homework. Um, yeah, so we'll just see if that sticks with it. What do you, th- what are you thinking? Uh, K-Dub, about Sam Hilliard, Don Nunez, these bats that have that mi- major league ability, that major league um, performance,
1: but are now working down in Albuquerque. I mean, they are definitely in need of that refresher um, of getting that confidence uplifted because for both of them, and I know that Hilliard, it was easier to be more on on a, on a soapbox about it, but both of them are really kind of trying to just work through their struggles. And that's a very hard ask at the major league level. Um, this is, you know, Clint Hurdle, Hurdle had a good quote way back in the day when he was still in the dugout. of This is no longer the try hard league. This is the results league. And I think both of them also hit the ground running when they got to the majors and didn't necessarily have that steep learning curve where they were able to work through it. So to go from success, to go from regular playing time, to go from having a role into now you're struggling, now you're losing a spot, now you're losing that bats it's tough to, to make those corrections in the moment. So they were much needed um, six or uh, demotions to find success again, and it's going to take time with them. I think both of them still have the tool set that made them major leaguers in the first place. Nothing has changed in terms of their ability. I think their confidence first and foremost just needs to get uplifted and then the results will start coming back around. So they're still in the plans. Time can be running out for these guys once those um, relapses occur. But I think that there's still enough there to believe in them as major league players. But now it has to go back into get back on track, get your confidence, get the results going
2: so you can get back to the game's highest level. And something interesting with Hilliard, too, that I was looking into last week, seeing he got sent down, kind of questioning is he, you know, what's his future? Last season, really similar things happened. He had a pretty disastrous start to the year. Spent, I think, two months down in AAA. Came back up, played 60 games, 800 OPS. So, you know, he he's a guy, I think, because of the nature of his swing that, you know, he's not used to making a lot of contact. When things get rough, they get rough because he starts to lose feel, lose confidence. So if he can get that back up, that will be, you know, a welcome sight for for Rockies fans and just the Rockies in general.
1: And I will, you know, piggyback on that. Um, this is getting back to the conversation that you had with Braden Ward, where it's a very simple attack first philosophy of find your pitch immediately. Well, not immediately, but be on the lookout for it presently from the get go and attack it. It's hard to get out of a slump with it when the plate approach is just full fledged attack mode. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I think that it can almost be a little bit of a detriment to somebody like Hilliard, especially because. I think just a little bit refinement on plate approach is what can get some of these guys back on track and being able to hunt specific pitches a little bit more. Um, So, you know, you got to swing to get out of a slump. I get that. But I think if there can be just a little bit more of that adjustment in the approach and a lot more hitters counts like we saw when he was back in Albuquerque last year after the demotion that got him back on track, that could be the formula to success again rather than just swinging through early in count and often early in the count.
0: There's something to say about that. But at a certain point, especially with a guy like Sam, when do you kind of quote unquote, sorry for being super rash about this but when you cut bait like he's had these struggles for a while right he's been up and down he's a fantastic dude he's he's a he's a major league ball player but at what point as an as an organization as a team do you kind of like all right i don't know how much longer we can do this with a fourth outfielder with the potential to be a first outfield center fielder type player um I know that's just hard, right, to say out loud as a fan, as as a fan of prospects, as Rockies fans. But at a certain point, you hope that he figures it out now because that leash has got to be running short. Um, The big strikeout numbers, they have lessened. He's gotten better with that this year, but the contact isn't being there. Uh, Still plays a fantastic center. I'm just kind of curious. I'm going to watch what the Rockies do with him after this season because, I mean, they don't really cut bait in the middle of a season like that very often oh, okay. so maybe a trade maybe a trade in the future change of scenery that type of thing but we have seen jordan pacheco work miracles down in albuquerque so maybe working with our boy pacheco sammy can figure it out down there um we saw sean bouchard and greg bird get their get their call up their promotion uh go
2: ahead and talk greg bird tyler go ahead and do it it's I've seen it because I remember we had Greg Bird last year. It's our boy Jake. We need respect on Jake, Mr. Jake, Jake Bird. Bird. My boy. Ah, I didn't no, yeah, that in the rundown. Because <laughs> it. it is. We did see I was Greg so so Bird last year. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm an idiot.
1: <laughs> no, that's
0: not, <laughs> a, that's not Mike. That's Mike's fault. I thought Toronto
1: let him go. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's back. But, <laughs> Son of a.
2: My bad. You're good. But, you know, Jake Bird is just it kind of started in the fall league last year and like in the fall, um, definitely carried over into the spring. It was like, this guy has got stuff. Like we, I and mean, now it's not a secret. I, you know, it used to be like those of us who followed the minors were kind of preaching to the masses about Jake bird, having great stuff. We just saw it two, in two appearances with the big league club. It, it was even, it kind of, exceeded my expectations like you never want to be that guy who's like this guy is really good and then he comes up to the big leagues and just like doesn't you know do it right away and with pitchers we've seen that with so many relievers the Rockies try and so for Jake Bird's first two outings to be you know basically flawless it's a good sign you know going forward he knows he can do this he has the stuff to do it I love seeing him you know mix the the two breaking balls well I don't even know whether to call a slider or like a, a cutter or a slider because sometimes it looks like a slider. But then in the big leagues, he's throwing that thing 92, you know, with slider movement. So yeah, that was awesome. Really awesome to watch. <laughs> Been waiting a long time. So very fulfilling. Do, do we see him stick around for
0: a while? Is he going to get the Chad Smith treatment or is he in Justin Lawrence or is he going to kind of be a mainstay?
2: I think he's, I think he's going to a pitch himself into being a mainstay, but, you know, with, with the way Lawrence pitched where I loved, you know, we all love watching Lawrence pitch, but I think it was underrated early in the season. How many guys he started walking, you kind of have to, you know, you can't roll with that. And then Chad Smith had that, that second outing got blown up. So as long as Jake Bird stays on the rails, I think he'll, he'll stick. Um, but you got to hope that they have seen what we've seen in him and that, you know, this is a guy who has a really high ceiling as a reliever, you know, could work his way to be with Kinley out that second guy behind Daniel Bard. Um, I I think he has the talent to do that. So hopefully he gets recognized for his ability to do such a thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And just to the listeners, we are watching the avalanche game three right now. So if you do hear hoots and hollers and, some cuss words or fun <laughs> noises, please forgive us as the avalanche are down two-one as the beginning of the second period starts. Um, so isotopes had a fun series; they were actually fun to watch this week, as opposed to the yo-yo that has been their whole season. They have a six-game sweep, seven-game win streak, lights out late on the double header. Started a game like after ten o'clock, eleven o'clock <laughs> out there. Um, rain delays. Uh, our boy. Valade has now 500 hits. I, No, 15. Yeah, 500 hits. Um, one of the p- p- pitchers, I think it was Neil, has yes. a- Neal, has 1,500 career innings pitched. So just a big, big week in isotopes. Um, it was fun to see. Riley Riley Smith pitched a complete game for the first time in a hot minute. Granted, it was the seven inning game and all that, but it still counts. So isotopes, they were fun to watch um let's get back to i want to ask you guys this who has the better starting rotation now that sam weatherly is back friend of the pod went four innings four strikeouts gave up a few hits but who has a better starting rotation as we look at the spokane indians versus the Hartford yard goats you're looking at a oh i had this up a like a joe rock tony losi mike ruff Shaver, sam weatherly up north right throwing kazada every once in a while um you're looking pretty solid in those five Or you're looking at Nick Bush, Carl Kaufman, throw in a Noah Davis when he's good, when he's nasty on on it, and a Noah Gatsis. Son of a bitch. Tampa Bay Lightning just scored. Um, So who, just a fun conversation. Who has the better starting rotation right now in this moment? K-Dub, why don't you start us off? Uh,
1: I would take Spokane. Um, it's, it's a bit of an unfair, not an unfair question, but it's easy, um, to try to think of it as apples to apples. And it's not quite that way because really that double a barrier is the threshold, um, for, for prospect legitimacy. So when you talk about, uh, Carl Kaufman and the success he's had this year, Nick Bush, you know, has really been impressive. And the jump that he's been able to make has been pretty seamless between the two levels. You know, there's there's a lot to be said for the success that they're having. But when I look at the Spokane rotation, I see a little bit more ceiling, a little bit more dominance capability that is showing in high A right now. How it translates in double A, that's the conversation for another day when that time comes. But as it stands right now, you throw Weatherly back into the mix, who just is absolutely filthy. Once he gets right on track, you can now be setting up for a series where you're facing... Weatherly, Rock, Losey, Shaver, and Rough. And that's not an easy series for any opposition, especially at the high A level. So I'll take the stuff right now that Spokane is throwing out there, and I really am just hoping that it translates once the double A time comes around for those guys.
2: Yeah, and I, I take the same position. Fun fact, just to toss in here, Tony Losi now has two starts this year where he's gotten six innings or more and given up zero hits, and then another two outings where he's done six plus and given up just one hit. So four of those super dominant outings, and to me, he's kind of like my fourth favorite guy in that rotation. I love the three the three lefties. I just I love them, and yeah. you know, Losi has the big big stuff. Um, you know, the the command is the thing, but um, that's just that is such a dominant rotation. For for the level especially, and you kind of have to think. You look at Hartford's rotation, and Aaron, you were naming off the guys. That fifth guy is sort of undefined right now. They're going with a lot of the bullpen guys, as like you know the three four inning opener guys. Spokane also has Will Etheridge in the mix. Who they've they've got to send somebody up now. You know maybe Joe Rock is that guy, but he's new to pro ball. This you know he's already been dealt a tough assignment. Can't send up Shaver because he also was just promoted. Weatherly's coming off the aisle. Do you send up Losey? And maybe the command stuff, again, like that's sort of the riskiness to throw through the gauntlet there. Um, but it's like they're stacked in the rotation. They have six guys. Hartford really only has four. Um, you know, Michael Barrett has been a guy starting a lot of games for them and he's been great, but I think he is more of just a true bullpen guy. Um you know, getting run as a starter, which is cool. I, li- I like seeing guys get that opportunity. But, yeah, Spokane runs six deep, and I-, I love four of those guys. And, you know, Ruff is also really good, too. So, yeah, Spokane's got it going on.
0: Let me throw a to this. What if Chris McMahon is on the Harper Yard Goats?
2: That's a-, a tough one. <laughs> I, guess I guess they're sort of keeping that spot instead of promoting someone, which, you know, I just went through the predicament. I guess they're keeping that spot warm for McMahon in the next month, maybe. i probably still lean Spokane, although it's really, I think, a toss-up at that point.
1: Right. Oh, what, a, what a save. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, no, I I do agree with that. And I was just looking at Mitchell Kilketty before uh, Fast I and Lesson got my attention. Spokane, yeah. yeah, and so that's that's even more to your point, Tyler, of they're kind of just – treading water a little bit when, when it comes to the back end of that rotation right now. And I think that the original plan was for McMahon um, to really get that long run at, at double a, how much his season has been set back will determine how that goes. I think just to answer the question of of the call up low as a college guy, a little bit more longer in the tooth with it while still having success, I think has earned the aggressive promotion. Um, out of everybody because you mentioned with Weatherly, you mentioned with Rock, you mentioned with Shavery and, and Ruff, you know, Losey seems to make the most sense for it. So plan A, McMahon does check out. If there does get to a plan B, I would lean towards Losey right now um, and give him the tough assignment, see how he fares in the second half, and then take it from there with him.
0: I, I agree with all the points you made, but I would say Joe Rock. I think kind of similar. Just the nastiness of him. They did it with Carl last year. They do it with Joe Rock, the college arm. Um, They would be nice to have another lefty presence up there, a power lefty, and seeing what they have in that. Uh, So I would say Joe Rock and that dude's mental game. He's not going to let Tony Losey play. Like just talking to him when we had him on, it's just, he's just like, yeah, I'm going to be in the major leagues real soon and just watch me
1: get there. And I'm just going to mow through whoever needs to get there. Um, is Tony Losey the best confidence? Yeah, I would have confidence in Rock if he, if he pitched in double A on would, oh, I would be so that. much fun. So, so electric. Is Tony Losey the best pitcher that we received in the Nada trade? It was rhetorical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I started going through my head. I was like, this is the only pitcher we got. We got Gomber. Um, oh. Sure. No, yeah. Jake Summers is the best one. <laughs> I, I was thinking more minor league prospects. Yeah, and it's still the Mateo Gill trade. It, yeah. you're right. Oh, let's go. Three, two. I learned. Three, two. Aaron is about five seconds ahead of me. I will keep
0: that oh, on lock good. a little bit.
2: You're good. <laughs> I am a little right. bit
0: ahead of t- Tyler too. I can see this, his yeah. background in the So,
2: you want to watch I'll, the game while we're doing the podcast? Hey, Here, I'll even pause good.
0: it. One. Two, three. Let's see if that gets any better. Are is Fresno Grizzlies quick? Yes or no? Fresno Grizzlies ever going to clinch the playoff spot? One in five. You thought they were going to lock it up with Case Juarez. Um McCade even did really good. Um, are are they ever going to get it? Are they ever going to clinch
2: that playoff spot? <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I ha- like. I don't know when the cutoff is for the like the mid season. I I'll say sometime tell- this week. I, yeah. yeah, I would think so. But they still have a two game edge I think. So can they pull one off like in the next two or three against Stockton who they've kind of whooped on Stockton I, this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Big um, time. Hopefully they can snag one like in the next. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> question mark. <laughs> yes? <laughs> and then I'm
1: wish- confident yes. I want probably, you to,
0: yes. I want you to think about this. We're gonna end it at the after our college talk. Who are the three guys that might probably you want to see as a Rockies um, in the future game? So keep that keep that in the back of your mind as so we move on. All right, bread and butter. I am just here. I, you guys were talking about 10, 15 minutes. I, there was a reason I was silent while you guys were talking about it. I am <laughs> not familiar with this draft stuff. I have said it many times before, but I love listening to it. I love watching it um i've been watching every cws game at least a little bit so there are some people i am familiar with and there are some good things that kate horton dude for oklahoma pitched a gym last night stuff was nasty i have no idea if you guys are going to talk about him or not i think he's at draft eligible actually next year um as a red shirt so you won't but something to look forward to right see I'm, i'm doing my due diligence um tennessee's gone like super regional is crazy big Big boy, Tennessee. We talked a little bit about that last week. Or State, State's gone. D-Tech, thank goodness, that Kakaska redemption tour. Um, <laughs> but who wins out of these eight? We kind of have it settled right now. Um, who Who are you guys just picking to win the CWS? Who you got? Tyler, lead us off.
2: It's, it's so hard to say because everything has just, you know, been broken like this entire tournament has not gone to plan whatsoever I kind of want to lean with Oklahoma just seeing how they've played the last you know little bit of time Ole Miss has gotten some love but I think those are probably my two one from each bracket Oklahoma and Ole Miss but it's hard to like I don't love any one of these teams to do it, especially now that Texas is gone. That was like if you asked me a week ago, I would have been saying Texas and they went on too. So it's yeah, um, crazy. It's been it's been a wild ride. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's hard to to say anything confidently and make any predictions with the way that everything is broken out. Um Oklahoma has I, I mean, I just have that that feeling the most. Um, and when we dig into the, the prospect side of it a little bit more, I feel like there's an Oklahoma or like a, a, an all-time college world series moment kind of coming for Peyton Graham, his Warren Morris um, moment. That just kind of feels right to me. So, you know, when all else fails in terms of all the research that you do and that all just flies out the window, gut feeling is the way to go. And in Oklahoma with the engine of, of Peyton Graham, that feels right to my
2: gut. Yeah. And so, I mean, Peyton Graham is, is definitely a guy that deserves a lot of talking. I don't think that he is, you know, in play for the Rockies at pick 10, you know, he's not quite that level of a prospect, but he is someone to keep in mind just as, you know, watching this, this college world series, he's maybe the best hitter, you know, in the field besides uh, Brock Jones, who we'll, we'll get to a little bit as well. You know, Peyton Graham, he's got power. I I think he's mostly played short this year as well. So you're getting a powerful shortstop with 32 stolen bases on the year. Like, this is a pretty fun fun guy to watch play. So I I like your kind of sentiment there, K-Dub, that he's going to have his moment. And I could totally see that happening. You know, a homer, a steal, and a gem at short in the same game. Yep. Very much in the, the range of possibilities. The Peyton Graham game. <laughs> yeah, I think, I,
0: honestly, I think he went four for four last night, or he was at one point on fire last night. He's that tall, skinny dude, right? I think so. Like he's like 150 pounds away. Yeah, maybe.
2: At, mm-hmm. at least on baseball reference, he's listed at 6'4, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Tim, I'm pretty sure when I was watching before I went to bed, seventh inning, sixth inning, he was four for four at one point, And the announcers were just talking him up dude has cannon at short too uh he was able to pick it a few
1: so he's a pretty safe bet to stay at short too i mean there's not a a lot of questions on on you know the fielding ability so he's he's a pretty sure up the middle guy but it's also just he's one of those high engine guys um which is a cliche term that gets used a lot but in college world series i mean those are the 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 best players (laughs) that usually stand out on those not necessarily the best tools on it but the guys that are just absolute motors whenever they're out there
0: yeah for sure so let's go back to the rockies 10th pick who are we talked about this a few times i don't know if any of these names are popping up um are any of these guys potential rockies picks at the 10th spot and if there's no go to the 30th, 35th or whatever it is and then the 50th are any of these guys in play for the Rockies at certain parts
2: i think at 10 there's a slight possibility of Brock Jones you know before we hit the record button here me and Cadeb were kind of weighing that and Brock Jones has been one of the better hitters in the country when you look at results 21 homers he's hitting 325 with a 452 on base percentage i don't think he's much of a you know he's played center this year but i don't think he's a center fielder going forward um the hit tool isn't like great you know i did mention 462 on base but there's there's a bit of a, a chase going on with him as his walk to strikeout rates not you know what you would like for a 10th overall pick but brock jones is the guy that there there's a chance there that he could be the pick at 10 um and then a, a bunch of guys that could be in play later on. I don't know if you have a favorite there, K-Dub, of someone you really want uh, to see later on. It's it's tough. There's a lot of names to sift through.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of pros and cons, but just to to answer the question at hand, it really does feel like Jones, uh, first and foremost. Ooh, uh, not for Jones, but um, for Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He does feel like the most legitimate candidate to go in that 10 spot. And then because the Rockies are so tight lipped on their process, on their, their draft war room. Um, there's not a lot that you get to hear on who the Rockies are in on, but Jones has kind of been a name that has been stuck with them throughout the entire season. And I think there's some serious legs to that. So I wouldn't be fully surprised if he goes there and he seems like, the best candidate to end up landing in 10 out of the remaining field yeah and
0: i guess with that said the stanford trees are officially eliminated they lost today to auburn so you as you're listening to this you won't (laughs) be able to see brock Jones in the cws anymore but that was one person that
2: would be on the radar okay
0: tyler anybody else you're about to say something
2: Yeah, someone who's just kind of emerged as a favorite for me in that second or third round window comes from the guys we've given a lot of love to already, the Sooners. Jake Bennett is a a left-handed starter with them. He's gotten a lot of buzz in the the top 50, top 75 picks. Um, Does what you want from a rocky starter. Um, He's a little bit more, you know, command and stuff, but he's a lefty, you know, low mid-90s fastball slider changeup. You can get all of it working a little bit. And that's exactly what the Rockies are always looking for with a pitcher. Uh, they're the kind of – I've seen some um, stuff plus models, which they try to grade stuff, like pitcher stuff. The Rockies are – you know, they ranked at last in the league. They are, they're a team that very much chases pitchability and command over mm. stuff. And Jake Bennett, even though he does have good stuff, he is more of the, the guy you're confident in. You know, he's going to come in. He's not going to deal with, you know, walks. He's going to throw a lot of strikes. I think everything there appeals to the Rockies. So if he's this year's, I don't want to compare him to Joe Rock, but I think that he kind of fits that same, you know, lefty, third third kind of pick guy. It You know, it's Jake Bennett. So he's someone I'll be keeping an eye on in the College World Series if they can move forward as well as, you know, in the draft process.
0: OK, so I'm thinking as you're saying that, like, why would the Rockies pick somebody that doesn't have nasty stuff so early in, in their in their draft pick? So, like, just because of what you just said, like, that's what their their ML is and that's kind
2: of what their history says. A bit. Yeah. And I, I think he does have good stuff, but it just definitely isn't what you're you're buying there. Um, you know, this is someone who walked just 22 guys in 110 innings this year. Uh, I'm not sure if that includes the postseason or anything, but he doesn't really walk guys. He did strike out 123 in the same time frame, so that sort of indicates, you know, there's there's pretty good stuff there. Um, I think you get a good balance, though, is really where it's at. You know, you know you're getting really good control, a guy who's going to pound the strike zone, but you do get some of the stuff that you desire you know, good changeup, good slider. So I think you check a lot of the boxes.
1: Yeah, and I think the conversation boils down to how much are you drafting based off of potential and how much are you drafting based off of results? Because you can have uh, kind of that loose clay that you think, okay, I have. And um, Ben Joyce, I think is a bit of a good example of this. You know, when we get into a Tennessee talk a little bit, you see just this absolute flamethrower. You see these, these loud, loud tools, these loud abilities, and you say, okay, when we can do X, Y, and Z with that, that will turn them into a much more polished, a much more productive pitcher. And I think when you get into Bennett a little bit, there is more of that polish there. There is a little bit more Results coming from the, bil- the abilities that he has on hand. So while he may not elevate into a top of the rotation profile, there is something to be said for drafting what you think can be a good major league player, even if he's not blowing 97 with plus plus break, you know, so it, there, there's, it's perfectly fine to have a middling profile that you want to take in those comp rounds in that second, in that third round, because you know that the stuff will translate into success as a pro ball, maybe not as a complete ACE, but as a good pitcher that has major league caliber tools.
0: That's a very good explanation. So my next question to that is the Rockies don't have an ACE. They don't have really a stud number one in their entire farm system maybe no not there's just nobody really out there maybe chris mcmahon that might be it maybe joe rock Jaden uh, hill Jaden hill and those and i think those would be stretches right mm-hmm. so why why would the rockies why are rockies staying away from those big type of dudes like that we just playing it safe or we get it take me into the mind of the front office with the history that we know that are the rockies And why we aren't taking these, um, the dude from Tennessee, you just said his name. Um, Ben Joyce. Joyce. Ben Joyce. Throwing 104. Why are we taking that dude as opposed to a Jake Bennett?
2: To kind of, K-Dub kind of hit this a little bit, uh, just talking about projection versus, you know, presentability. And I think the Rockies are very big on the presentability. We saw last year someone that I was really high on coming out of the draft and, and Bryce McGowan. He's been in the Fresno bullpen and he has not gotten any results this year, you know, whatsoever. I think a lot of that has to do with just the Rockies mindset. They're not as good at, you know, really developing pitching beyond maybe the mindset and, and sort of game planning to, to generate the ground balls and to throw strikes. So if you're someone who doesn't have that kind of command going for you, you don't fit the mold as well. And I think, just seeing with some of the guys they've drafted in recent years, you know, everyone knows Riley Pint, but in that same draft, you've got Robert Tyler, who didn't make it out of high ed because he couldn't really throw strikes much either. I think they do have a struggle when it comes to polishing the pitchers themselves. And and that'll, you know, touch on a, a topic we have coming later. Um, I think they're very much the refiners in in that, you know, they can take you from being like a double-A-level pitcher to you know, a decent major league pitcher, but they're not the type of team that's going to, you know, turn you into an ace. I'd love if they could get a, in the future, a prospect like Jack Leiter, maybe that, you know, he's going to be really good. And there's not a much, much development that has to happen for that to to be the case. But this year definitely isn't the class for, you know, you to find that balance between this guy's going to be a good major league pitcher, and maybe he can be an ace. It's like this guy could be a major league pitcher and maybe he could be, you know, back end starter. That's what this class is sort of offering you. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I, I agree. So first, I'll start with the sentiment of I think that there is a risk aversion um, when it comes to the Rockies and, and making sure that they try to maximize their draft picks rather than get the most maximize the amount of major leaguers that they can produce out of their draft picks, rather than the quality of it, it's more of the quantity approach. And it, that, that that has been at the core of what built um, the rotation that we've been seeing today with John Gray, with Kyle Freeland, then there's some more international development and, you know, Marquez kind of falls into the, that boat and kind of doesn't. Um, But also true aces don't fall on trees, you know, fall off, fall off trees. And so if you do have the opportunity to get a Jack lighter, the Rockies haven't always been sitting in a position to be able to draft a player like that because they've usually been on the back end of the top 10. Um, So the opportunity hasn't always been there for quite the sure thing. Uh, Last thing that I want to touch on with that, you know, we talk about how there might not be that guy in this um, draft class, but I, I had to laugh while you were talking about that, Tyler, because who the hell knows what's happening with Kumar Rocker and how that all turns out. Maybe he is more of that sure bet. Maybe he is that top of the rotation guy, and maybe he is viable at 10. I don't think it will pan out that way, but that's just such the weird part of it all, is we kind of had Rocker was going to be one of those guys last year, and then with the way it's all played out, you might have a second shot, and he might be it, but oh. You know, so he he's he's a weird curveball in that that whole um, discussion about the pitching in this draft class.
0: Yeah, Kumar Rocker. I looked him up. Uh, Eleven innings in the Frontier League for the Tri City. Uh, definitely not the Dust Devils. Uh, Valley Cats out of Troy, New York. <laughs> so thirty-three outs. Eighteen of them have come by the strikeout. He has allowed three earned runs. So two point four five ERA. So his stuff is still nasty. Granted, it's the frontier league, but whatever. I yeah, that's very intriguing. All right, so CWS again. So Ole Miss is dominating right now. They are going to be two zero. Oklahoma's two zero. Who are some of these? Who are some of these names on this on these teams that we're we're looking out for? Like, is Tim Elko? It's it's a name I keep hearing. Is Tim Elko an option? Who is Tim Elko? Give us maybe one or two more names that we should be watching over these next few days
2: in Omaha just to talk about Tim Elko a little bit I think Nick would be if Nick is listening he'd be really pissed off if we just glossed <laughs> over Tim Elko. I think that's one of his favorite guys in this class as an Ole Miss fan and he's he just has some of the best power you know game power in this class the thing is he is 23 he'll be 24 you know before next season and everything so He's the kind of guy you might be able to find on like day three because teams typically write off the twenty-three year olds until you know round like day three, basically. Um, and then there's just some some other fun names that are kind of in the same boat. Sonny DeChara from Auburn, I think everyone has to be familiar with him at this point. Another older prospect, I think he's twenty-two. You know, very unique build for professional baseball. He's but- a unit,
0: is he? Is he? <laughs>
2: He is, yeah, see, I think, the union. yeah. He's 260, 270, um, and, you know, the power's there. He's a great hitter, though, too. And then Ivan Melendez is, is a guy who's, you know, cut from a similar cloth. I don't want to say the same cloth, but similar cloth. He, he looks like a, a guy you would not want to approach, like at a bar or something like that. You'd be a little scared to do anything wrong in front of him. Um, and he's got the same, you know, huge power, really good hit tool. I'd love the Rockies to come away with a player like that, sort of like Hunter Goodman from last year, except what we're seeing from Hunter Goodman is that his hit tool is not very polished. With Ivan Melendez or Sonny DeChara, these guys have, you know, the same power level, but they're going to draw a lot of walks. They're going to hit for average very consistently. I'd love to see a guy like that in the system. Yeah, I, yes, we don't want to, you know, stock up on first baseman, but having a really premium hitter at first base can really boost your offense and you know we're seeing that with the rockies and cj crone we haven't had this in a long time Um, having hitters like that is fun just dominators pure dominators but they're not going to give you a whole lot else. so melendez and dachara really like those guys and then you know tim elko on day three getting that kind of sure power would be pretty fun too Yeah, uh,
1: I will also say about Melendez, he has a fantastic nickname. I don't know if you've heard about that or not. The Hispanic Titanic is just, that is A+. Um, No, and I, I agree on that sentiment, especially where you were driving with that bat first profile. I mean, anybody who's listened to my ramblings enough knows that I really like Jacob Berry, and it's really specifically for that reason. I just want M.A.S.H. That's all I care about really. If, and I, you know, the more confidence that you can have out of that um, it really is something that the Rockies haven't leaned into enough in their offensive profile of prospects, in my opinion. So uh, Melendez is, is cut from that same cloth. I agree. Um, somebody who, who piques my interest a little bit is Hayden Dunhurst um, and it's almost for the exact opposite reasons that you were going with Tyler. <laughs> But it's more that there's, there's a lot of assurance of a field captain. He's great behind the plate, and he has an absolute hose. And so I think that there's a lot to like in terms of him sticking and his viability as a catcher. I think there's enough there on that swing um, to find production from a catcher, but that's also speaking relative to what you're expected to do as a catcher. Um, when you look at somebody like Houston and still running um, Maldonado out there, They're not going to hit. They're not going to do squat out there with the bat, but you're not paying them and you're not leaning on them to do that. You making sure that you have a good field general that handles it defensively and also is a positive contributor to your pitching staff as a whole. I think Dunhurst has kind of those captain um, capabilities as a catcher. And so he's somebody that I would like to have in the system because at the very least you're really bolstering catching depth was, which is not easy to do. So if you're talking about a Dunhurst and a, you know, fifth round selection type of thing, especially if you maybe get greedy with high schoolers early with those comp picks, that's a better safe bet that you can have that I think would be really, really beneficial for the system.
2: Yeah, and in dipping back on the comps to last year's draft class, I, you know, was talking a little about Hunter Goodman and, um relation to the the dichares and the melendez types hayden dunhurst kind of reminds me of braxton fulford from last year who you know he's caught on a little bit with the bad in fresno but you knew coming into pro ball like this is a guy who's a good receiver you know he's going to manage a pitching staff well and we're gonna have to you know after the season at some point we're gonna have to talk to some of these guys who played with fresno like how did fulford you know help you out because i think we're gonna get the answer that this is a this is a guy who's meant to be there and you know, can make an impact even when he's not hitting. So you got to always get a catcher every every draft class. I was thinking about this kind of recently that doing your draft class, you're not drafting you know for need, but in a way you sort of have to build a, a roster in itself with the draft class. Like these guys have to play with each other for you know three years, so you need a catcher or two why not get a guy like dunhurst that is going to help the pitching staff you know come into their realm yeah
0: i yeah i completely agree and we kind of saw that we heard about it with drew romo like he was kind of a catcher defensive catcher first offense is coming around um so yeah definitely see that happening you guys mentioned like these big bats like particularly the um, the Dachara dude does the full time dh do you think that scares anybody really with the lack of defensive, like in these guys, like, you know what, we can just put this guy out there. We can draft him. And we, we have just the bat and Edgar Martinez that we can rely on for so many years. Do you think that's at all a possibility? Or are we just still drafting by position all, all encompassing the player?
1: I don't think the industry is at that point yet, to be honest. Um, I think that they're still, for the most part, is going to be that whole profile looked at first and foremost. And then if there are such red flags for defensive capabilities, that's just going to slip stock. And then maybe that's where the flyers come in towards the later rounds. Um, I think as the universal DH becomes more second nature and um, is something that you know has, has tenure behind it, then there might be a little bit um of of drafting for it but for now i just i don't see them going the rocky specifically or most NL NO clubs because i don't think that there's much of the track record for AL clubs to be doing that either a lot of the dh will be reserved for guys who we tried it the defense never panned out and so just screw it stick them in the lineup and they're they're going to be the dh i think that's still very commonplace
2: yeah. And I, I agree. Cause you, you know what these guys, like they have to do exactly what you want them to, but the cool, the cool pro side is that that worry is sort of built into the cost. Like you're going to get mm-hmm. Ivan Melendez if you want him probably in the third round. And, you know, there's a good case to be made that he is the best hitter in the draft class at the college level. You can get him in the third round. You got a great chance for him to hit, um, but of course, you know he's, you know, gonna stick at first base and you know, maybe not even in the field if that right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I was agreeing with that too. I agree with all that. Um and we're trying to see him with I think Hunter Goodman might be one of those type of guys too. That just all right, DH might be just where you get where you kind of end up. Um, so you guys mentioned a little bit the Tennessee volunteers were absolutely loaded with talent. Uh, Drew Gilbert joined back, Blake Tidwell. The list can go on and on. Uh, but their their egos got in the way of their success. <laughs> With that being said, as a team, I actually hated how their coach displayed his, himself out there in the regionals. Um, but that might be another conversation for a different time. What are we thinking about players from the Tennessee Volunteers? Uh, anybody that we could be looking at in the first three or four picks um, that we have? The Rockies have in the top 50 picks, 51 picks. Um, Anybody that stands out to you that we'd love? How how about at cost? What are you guys thinking about the Tennessee volunteers? Tyler, why don't you start us off?
2: Yeah, so I think it's fun to look at this sort of question, like with the at cost context in mind, like you're basically applying a pick value to to the players, like where they're projected to go. You know, it's, it's a little, we can't explain all of that right now and where these guys would kind of slot in. But for me, I am going with Mr. Ego. I don't know if he. It's hard to say who had the biggest ego on that team, but we all saw the face that Drew Gilbert made when he was ejected for telling the ump that how bad of a call that was with some some very powerful language. Um, but I got him. If 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 the Rockies took him at tenth overall, I think it's kind of a sneaky great pick. He's someone that's really started to rise on draft boards this year because he. You know, as I was saying before we, we started recording, I think he got this label that oh he's just a, he's just a leadoff type hitter, you know, a slap hitter, good speed center fielder. But he, he has some really good power. He has great bat speed. And I think his approach is just to, you know, get the bat on the ball, you know, go for, for extra base hits in the gap, just get hits any way he can. But I think he has the kind of power he could easily hit 25 home runs, 30 home runs if he wanted to. And maybe in the pros, I, we see a lot of guys make that home run power jump in the pros. I, I think Drew Gilbert is, is candidate one. A guy with big power but hasn't, you know, tried to swing for the fences in college. But, you know, he's a good center fielder, good speed, um, does does it all. And I think we see him do his antics on the field. I think if you're on his team, you love that. You love that. If he's not on your team, you're like, screw this guy but having drew gilbert you know in the system he might bring some fire to a team to a dugout uh in the clubhouse that could be really infectious and as a fan i'd I'd, i would not mind seeing that (laughs) you know just some fire so drew gilbert for me if they took him at 10 i'd be pretty pretty content with that i i would like gilbert
1: too and (laughs) it's funny it just came to my mind i feel like gilbert is kind of the at, at the point that we're really holding out hope that Montgomery gets to and then can take the next level. Um, I think that that's kind of a a good way of looking at it. At least it's making sense in my mind, just because there is kind of a Supreme athleticism. There's a little bit more already there with the contact ability and the bat with Gilbert. And if Montgomery can get to that level, then that can elevate his game even more and give you more confidence on what his floor is. But I, I agree wholeheartedly with Gilbert um, when it comes to the, the Tennessee question, it's interesting also because I feel like there's a little bit where it's either too much of a reach for some of these guys or they're not going to be around when the Rockies have that pick. There's a lot of kind of mid late first round feeling with with some of Tennessee that we would want to talk about. So if one guy were to slide, I do like uh, Blade Tidwell. I think that he would be a very good arm. He would have a little bit of upside into the, you know, uh, a number two starter flirt with the top of the rotation arm. Um, there's enough polish there to where I think that he could comfortably stick as a starter. Um, at least it's worth a very good long look at it. So injuries have been a concern with Tidwell. A lot of time missed with the shoulder. So you you take that for what it is. But if he ends up sliding to a comp, I wouldn't want Tidwell at 10. I'm looking at Tidwell specifically, if we are able to get him 31-38, he slides out of the back end of that first round, then that would be a a pick that I think could be a little savvy, could be a little clever for the Rockies. And I think it could add a little bit of that high-end talent that isn't necessarily there right now that we were talking about earlier. And it could get it at more of a premium position, kind of like how the Rockies did with Jaden Hill
2: last year. But there's just more track record with Tidwell. Yeah, I think – the theme we we were harping on earlier about the rock he's not having that that ace type prospect tidwell you know again i don't think he quite is that but i think there's a case to be made that you know based on his pure stuff and just who he is as a pitcher he might be the best pitcher in the rocky system you know from from the get-go depending on what you think of joe rock and chris mcmahon but he's definitely in the same class as those guys and you know Jaden hill too who we're we're yet to see and and make some evaluations on, but Tidwell would jump in right there with the top pitching prospects in the system. And if we're able to get that, that would be a home run type of pick. Yeah. It it, it would, we'd
1: be a little lucky if he got there. Um, I will give a little bit of love of a little bit of love to uh, Trey Lipscomb you know it would be a later round he would be kind of probably in that 3rd to 5th round range 5th would probably be too much of a stretch with it but there's there's some tools there there's some this is where we get into that projectability to that potential more so than just on the result side so it'd be a little bit more of a project but i do think that there's some good things to work with when it comes to Limscum's profile as well
2: yeah a lot of power and he seems reasonably athletic so you know, mm-hmm. watching him at third for Tennessee was appealing. And the, the bits that I watched, I was like, this guy could, you know, be a good big league. I was like, why wasn't he drafted already? And then you see, you know, this was a big breakout year for him. So Yeah, a lot of versatility, good athletic profile.
0: All right, so Tennessee has some names that we can be looking at. All right, do that same thing, but a little bit quicker with somebody that is in the CWS right now. So, Tyler, who, would, who is at cost um, would we love to have in the Rocky system That's in the CWS? Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm glad you swung back around to this because I was like, I have to mention this guy, and I haven't yet. <laughs> it's, it's Blake Burkhalter out of Auburn. He's been in their pen, which to me, I'm kind of like, why is he in the pen? He's got, you know, m- mid-high 90s fastball, a low 90s cutter that, you know, kind of on the topic of Jake Bird earlier – that thing is like a slider, except it's again touching you know ninety two. And he's got a great changeup with you know some heavy arm side run. Because he's a reliever, I think you're looking at you know much lower than like the top of the draft. Like rounds four through seven is his range, and if you could get him in the you know, anywhere in that, I think you're looking at a at a good pitcher. You never like to just draft the pure relievers all that early, but you know again, I'm like, why is this guy in the bullpen? I think he could you know, make a push for a starting rotation. He's been lights out every every year at, at Auburn. He's been lights out, never gotten the chance to start. And the stuff is just so good. He has the arsenal to potentially compete in the rotation. So Blake Burkhalter, I think he's, you know, maybe the best pitcher from a pure stuff, you know, perspective that's left in the field. Really fun to watch. I just saw, you know, today Pitching Ninja tweeted out, you know, a little Angle from it was like the, the camera on the catcher and you see Blake Burkhalters stuff coming in and it's like he's throwing bullets and you're not going to hit that so he's someone I, I really have fallen in love with in the last month and would love for him to join the the rocky system again with Jake Bennett it's the stuff you want in the rocky system the slider and the changeup, and you know who who doesn't love a mid high 90s fastball too. All right. Um...
1: I I struggled uh, just boiling it down uh, for, for my side of it. Um, You know, one, I want to just give a shout out to is I think there's a very, very good possible or, you know, um, candidate to buy low on in Robert Moore. Um, I think this was somebody that came in with really big expectations. He has a very good track record in Arkansas heading into this season and then really struggled at the plate but you got the chance to watch him in the field. You get the chance to see him with the bat when it clicks for him. And there is just, you see a big leaguer in action right there. He's somebody that if it slipped to the third round, if it slips out of those comps, maybe you really reach in the second round for him. Um, But there's a good first round potential in Robert Moore still there with a proven track record that the Rockies could reach for that said, the team picking in front of them has the father of Robert Moore as their GM. So I don't have a lot of confidence <laughs> that the Rockies are actually able to do that because Dayton Moore in Kansas city, it just feels like it's going to have to happen. So, um, Trey Falteen is one of those good mid rounds. If he goes in that four, seven range, like Tyler was talking about with Burke Halter, there's a Supreme athlete there with Feltine out of Texas that I think, has some very, very interesting and loud tools. And then the last one that I just want to give a shout out to, I don't know how well it would work out. I don't know if I have a lot of confidence in this, but if Jack Brannigan got drafted, that would be one hell of a ride to be on to see what happens with him in the system because he has just this crazy two-way profile out of Notre Dame. Good power, plays a good third base, can throw absolute heat on the mound. I would really just be curious to see what could transpire with somebody like Brannigan in the system. And if the Rockies would have the gall to try it, because that's not something that we've really entertained um, to this point in team history. Also, his name sounds like Zap Brannigan, which is kind of hilarious. (laughs) So that's, that's bonus points too. But yeah, yeah, if I, if I had to boil it down, if we get Robert Moore in the third round,
2: I would be pleased as punch. Well, in a little tidbit on, on Moore, You know, he has struggled, but something just to contextualize it a little bit, he's freshly 20 years old. And like the reason he is draft eligible is because this is his third year at Arkansas. I think he stepped foot on campus, you know, as a 17 year old. And now he's in his third year, just turned 20 and he's still doing some good stuff. You mentioned the defense is, is really good at second base, but he walked almost as much as he struck out this year still. So he's got a good approach. Um, you know, he hit eight home runs, He hit 16 last year. There definitely is the makings of all five tools at second base there. Um, and, yeah, if we can snag him for, instead of Dayton Moore, that would be pretty cool um, and great cost, you know, in the in the third round there.
0: Can you imagine the Rockies having a Shohei Otani type that we could all get on on board with in Jack Brannigan? That would be so much fun. Just the hype around it. Like you said, like you were, you were kind of giddy talking about the two-way player part of that. That would be, that'd be fun.
1: It's no sure thing. I mean, you look at a Brendan exactly. McKay, he felt like the most sure thing out of a draft. But, I mean, there's, there's just enough with Brad, again, that he does really, really well in certain spots that it would be a project. But it would be fun to see, you know, what, what could happen with somebody like him. It would be fun.
2: I'd love, yeah, some guy who you're, you're not expecting – you know him to start on the mound every fifth day but like a guy who can throw 20 30 40 innings out of the pen every year and then you know take a full season's worth of of at bats like that would be fun I and I I you know at least test the waters of the two-way mold that you know we're going to see more of those guys in the future for sure so starting yeah. with a guy like Brannigan, you know it gets you some experience trying to develop a guy both ways
1: And if it doesn't work out on one, then you flip to the other, too. And most likely, you know, Brannigan, the the fallback is, all right, let's see what we got as a reliever as a whole or something like that. Right. So there is a little bit more of a safety net built in with that mentality, too. Yeah, just gives you those options.
0: Yeah. All right. Um. Let's end it with that with the draft talk. I know you guys can go back and forth. We still have a month before the draft july 17th i believe so dub, i'm sure we'll see you again we'll get nick on here maybe just have a little round table with you and tyler um you three um let's end it with this real quick who are your three guys that you would put um on the future game for the rockies kw go first you're the guest
1: i mean starts starts with Tovar, hands down Um, Montero kind of feels like a bit of an out because he should be on the Rockies Rockies, not just, you know, the futures game. Um, (laughs) but I mean, he absolutely mashes and the, the out of left field a little bit for me, Aaron Shunk has turned around a lot uh, on his prospect profile throughout this season. I know there was a bit of a dip last week, but there's been a really good turnaround for Shunk. Um, so, you know, maybe I, I, I'd feel like he's deserving of that nod with the way his season has gone. Yeah, I like
2: that mm-hmm. shot pick. You know, like K Dub said, you can't have a valid answer without Tovar at the top. Like he's the perfect blend of proximity, but also, you know, still 20 years old, a lot of talent. Like he has to be there. My other, the other one for sure that I want to say is Joe Rock because he's had such a great season. Every time I watch the futures game, I feel like I'm introduced to a new like 6'6 left-hander. So he would just kind of continue that for other club other fans of other clubs. I think you just have to, you know, honor Zach Veen or Drew Romo. One of those guys has, you know, got to get there. One of them will be on the team at some point and they still have another year, maybe two to get on there. Um, be fun to see Zach Veen on TV though, like in a couple months. So I'll go, I'll go. Yeah. Veen, Tavar, and, and Joe Rock.
0: <laughs> took all my names. Um, <laughs> tovar, obviously i think the pitcher i would go to i'll switch it up a little bit will be nick bush just print of the pod it'd be fun to fun to see that and his season shows that he sh- he deserves it and then i think drew romo is actually going to get the nod to just what he's doing up in high a on both ends of it just getting that recognition up there zach dean right i yeah you could go down the list but tovar tovar will be a for sure thing i'm kind of curious if they'll have another one or two on there um boys this is fun K-Dub, thank you for hanging out. Tyler, let's run it back next week. And let's uh, go Rocks, minor league affiliates. Woo! Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.